Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome into OBR Film Breakdown. It's your Victory Monday edition. It's felt like a little too long since we've had one of these. The last one that we had was, I don't know, who who was it? Chicago? I'm not even sure anymore. Monday, because the Denver game was on a Thursday. It's great to have a Monday morning with a victory for your Cleveland Browns. Boy, did they rise up to the challenge, and we are going to talk all about that in just a moment. But before we do, on this Blue Wire Podcast Network, our good friends at TickPick.com, T-I-C-K, PICK.com slash breakdown. Go there right now for the best tickets on any seats, whatever the event is. You want to go watch the Cavs who are surging? Get some tickets, right? You want to go watch the Browns play the Lions when they return home next? Go to TickPick.com slash breakdown. Get $10 off your first order. The original no-fee ticket site. Price you see when you're shopping is the price you pay at the end. No additional random fees as you see on some of the other major players in the industry. Take advantage of the offer they have. If you find a cheaper ticket somewhere else, they'll match it up to 110% if you can prove it. Great app. Allows you to go in there, check local restaurants, figure things out about the stadium. whole bunch of great stuff. But if you want to use the $10 off your first order, go to TickPick.com slash breakdown on your web browser and then you will get that offer for all the listeners of this podcast. I am now going to welcome in Mr. Stephen Thomas, live from somewhere in the ocean, I would imagine at this point. Or are you home, Steve? Where are you at this current juncture? I'm at home giggling about TickPick. Yeah, well, you know, they they pay the bills, so, you know, it's... Because uh, mentally, I am 12 years old. Uh, well, you know, I got to make sure to spell it. I spell this thing out and articulate it as well as I can uh, for the listeners, but... As we uh, as we giggle through the, I was giggling in this game. How great was it to watch a Cleveland Browns, who it has felt like the longest conceivable week, Steve, for for Cleveland Browns football. And it's I haven't felt a week like this since what like the Freddie Kitchens year. It's just it's just been a while where everything was like, God, I, I don't want to wake up and talk about Browns football today. Really, really dreading all the different annoying parts of this past week, and to get to Sunday and have it be. As quick as it was, right? As quick as it turned into a really fun game, it had that first drive had had that feeling, Steve, where it was like, man, this could be a really long day. I'm going to pull up the stats here in front of me. That first drive, if we're looking at possessions, ended up being an interception. They were 11 plays into that first drive. On the 11th play on the one-yard line, Denzel Ward jumps a little pivot route from Jamar Chase, and that was a terrible Joe Burrow throw. But from right there, it was fun moving on and that was pretty great steve we needed that in the worst way man they did too obviously yeah this week was a hell of a year wasn't it i mean <laughs> um yeah and, and i think just to to sort of twist what you said just a little bit it, if we could have actually woken up and talked and talked about brown's football it might not have been so bad but we didn't we, we talked about locker room personalities and and videos on instagram and who liked what? It was like it was like being in a middle school lunchroom all day, every day. It was just ridiculous. And none of us knew. I mean, we said, I don't know how many times. We were far from the only people. But we said how many times during the week. I honestly have absolutely no idea what to expect when they take the field on Sunday. This A week like this has the ability to either galvanize a team or tear it to shreds. And if you had reversed the score today... And the Browns just got run out of the stadium. I would have been 
just as not surprised as I was today. I, I mean, when they won, it, it, you could have told me anything and I would have believed you because I, I had no expectations, no clue. But yeah, I mean, you had that first drive. Uh, and then uh, if we all remember after the, the pick six, they drove right back down the field again, diced up the defense and tied it up at seven. So I thought to myself, all right, buckle in. We're going to find out. Six is going to have to come out and have a game like he did against the Bengals twice last year. He's going to have to do that because apparently our defense isn't even going to show up today. And then from that point on, I mean, they just – and granted, they were helped out by the defense getting the turnovers like we talked about in the pregame show. They got the ball in plus territory. They did a lot of stuff. But, you know, the explosive plays and all that. But the defense, to its credit, did exactly what it needed to do. I, I mean, you have the stats up, I'm sure. Uh, and I've just been sitting here looking at them. They ran 70 offensive plays, the Bengals. The Browns had 46. The Browns outgained the Bengals. They had 25 first downs to 14. They had 35 minutes of, of possession time. And, and the Browns won it in a laugher, I, 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 it, which, which made it weird. And, you know, I, I'm very curious to see your film breakdown on Tuesday uh, when you do that because it just – and I think it was because of the the big strikes, the quick strikes, you know, the 99 yard pick six, the whatever it was, 72 yards, whatever it was to DPJ and the 70 yard Nick Chubb run. They scored so quickly. You know, those those two were, I think, the first or second or maybe the third play of, of the drive. So the Bengals had a friggin ball all day. So it was like it did not feel in any way like from watching the game, the Browns were completely in control like they were. It sort of felt the opposite because the Bengals had the ball all day. I mean, <laughs> the offense was just never on the field. So uh, it, it was such a weird flow, a weird uh, – the way it all fell together. You look at the box score stats, you would think that the score was reversed. But, I mean, the, the two biggest things – we hit on a lot in the pregame. But the two biggest things – and we've been saying this for a few weeks now. They had to get some turnovers. And they had to get more explosive plays. They were taking shots deep. You know, the, the whole narrative about how they're not <clears throat> throwing the ball deep anymore. And Stefanski is neutered Baker and blah, blah, blah. It was always garbage because they were taking the shots. They just were not connecting, which made it feel like they weren't throwing the ball deep. Well, today people are like, oh, see, they're throwing the ball deep again. No, they're completing the ball deep again. That's the, that's a, that's kind of a significant difference. Yeah. So, you know. If you can do that on a consistent basis, it makes everything else so much easier because you mentioned in the pregame that their margin for error, the way their offense had been operating, was extremely slim. And we said the lack of explosive plays makes it that way. So if you think about it, and I hate – I'm not trying to say, you know, oh, it wasn't as good as they – that's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is if you take out the two big explosive plays, when they did get down into the red zone – that inconsistency and those struggles still continued today. They kicked field goals. They missed their first field goal of the year. So if they hadn't had those two big explosive plays, the margin for error would have been tiny, and they may well have ended up losing that game. But this is what we said. When you get these big plays, and it sounds simplistic, but when you get these big plays, it makes everything else so much easier, and you don't have to be flawless in the rest of the game to have a chance to win. You can make some mistakes. And they did. They made some. They had 10 penalties, for crying out loud. So, you know, if you can do that on a consistent – and I'm not saying get three touchdowns of over 60 yards every single game. But if you can threaten the deep part of the field and hit one or two of them, uh, you know, even if it's not for a touchdown every game, it takes the pressure off everything else. And you can afford to be, uh, you know, a little more less than perfect and still come out of there with a W. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Great points there. And and listen, someone needs to teach, like, I don't know how you can play football your whole life and, and clowny and... and uh, Malik McDowell can't look down the line and figure out, hey, man, we're a full head length offside here. What are we doing? That's mm-hmm. really, really weird. I don't know if they got asked that question after the game. It's strange. I mean, the 10 penalties, it's like we talked in the pregame about the types of penalties. Are they the boneheaded types of penalties? Not right. aggression-based penalties, DPIs, face mask, holdings on the on the level of uh, a snap and you know a running back cuts outside. Maybe you're expecting him to cut inside. I get that. I can understand that. But, like, right. again, false starts, offside, stuff like that, like – especially in the red zone makes me just it cringe. I get so cringeworthy about that stuff, man. When it happens, it's like they got to cut those out. And they really weren't that great when things mattered, like three of nine on third downs. Again, they did not convert enough in the red zone. You're right. The offense wasn't perfect, but they, they, they helped their margin for error, which is exactly your point. You create three turnovers and you, you know, I always talk about the magic number of five, Steve, right? Between sacks and turnovers. You, if you get right. to five, you're going to have a really good chance in this game. They got to five sacks, uh, on their own, and then you you sprinkle in the three turnovers, and you can just see the weight. You know, you, we, we're going to dive into this in just a minute, the weight of the offense and how it all responded when they made the transaction that they made. But the defense creating turnovers, you can feel this weight lift off of them. I thought it was really, really obvious how much, like, life was pumped into them when they were able to actually create some turnovers, man. Like, mm-hmm. that is huge for them, and it's huge momentum-based stuff for the belief that, hey, we can cover people, we can create plays, we can do the things we're supposed to do when one thing breaks through. And that's why you got to say, like, a huge kudos to Denzel Ward for making a play. We have these conversations. I'm going to write about it for tomorrow morning. We have these conversations all the time, Steve, about Denzel. You know, he's got the flaws in terms of missing games. He has not played very well this year in an important year for him. But this one, I imagine he's going to grade out above 90. It's going to be fantastic. He had 41 He had 41 snaps. Uh, there was one catch in his direction for 11 yards, and I think he had a 0.0 passer rating when targeted. So 
you know, like that negates it out when you return a friggin' interception 99 yards. But that's the stuff you want from Denzel Ward. And the, the general point here, Steve, is that if, if Denzel can start matching the play of Miles and, 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 and from that they can get, you know, Baker to start matching maybe the level of play that you see consistently from Nick Chubb, that is how. That's the core four, right? Nick, Baker, Denzel and Miles. Those four guys, if the Browns are going to go the places that we all talk about, we all dream about, those are the dudes that have to be the dudes all the time. Am I right about that? Tell me about tell me if you think that's true and then also tell me what you thought of Denzel today cuz I thought this is the version we've all been like, "Wait, thank you." Yeah, I, I mean, you know, to put it in the most simplistic terms possible, your star players have to make star plays. I mean, that's just the way it is because everybody else is a complementary piece. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, David Njoku can't make a star play or, you know, John Johnson played his ass off today. Probably, I, I would say, I would imagine the same thing you said about Denzel. John Johnson probably going to have his best graded game of the year. Uh, he can make a star play. You know, I, I mean, other guys can, but as you set up your team, these are, and there's a certain connotation with this word I'm about to use, and I don't mean it that way. Those are your complementary players. I'm not saying they're role players or, easily replaceable or that kind of stuff. These guys are really good in their role, but those aren't the guys that are going to get the giant contracts. The guys, the star players that get the star money have to make star plays or your team flounders. Then that's in any sport. That's just the way it is. So no, I think you're absolutely right on that. And today they all did it. I mean, you know, like we said about the rest of the stats, if you look at Baker's box score stats, like if you didn't watch the game and, and see the flow of the game and what happened, you would look at him, okay, 14 out of 21 for 218. I mean, it's not a bad day, but, you know, he really didn't dominate or, you know, like like it's not, you know, those aren't Marino in 85 numbers, you know. Uh, but when you saw what he was asked to do and how precise he was, I thought the decisiveness and the anticipation and the pinpoint accuracy that has been lacking for a vast – since the first half of the Chiefs game, if we're being per perfectly honest, that was the best he's looked all year, and he's looked less than stellar since then. I thought he threw the ball as well as he has all, all year. And again, I'll wait for your breakdown because – you know, eight times out of 10, I think something. And then I watch your, I get these texts from you like, you know, oh, it was so much better or so much worse or like I'm completely wrong. But, but, you know, just from watching it, it looked like he was in control and doing exactly what he needed to do all day. As far as Denzel, yeah, I mean, uh, John Dorsey, you know, did some good things and he did some bad things. This has nothing to do with that, but he said something he, because remember the knock on Denzel was the physicality and the tackling and, and all that kind of stuff. And he said, your corners are paid to cover. And that's absolutely right. Now they can't be awful tacklers that, you know, there's a line, but as long as they're, you know, adequate in the tackling department, what you want them to do is knock the ball down. And, and if I'm not mistaken, they had eight pass knockdowns today. I think if I have, I don't have that number in front of me. You might have it. Uh, I, I saw it uh, somewhere before. They had eight passes defense today, which means they're getting into the throwing lanes. They're getting their hands up. Uh, he had one in the end zone on Jamar Chase. Uh, or No, it wasn't Jamar Chase. Uh, I forget who it was. But he It was got, Higgins. Higgins on that. Uh, it was acrobatic effort, but he got a hand in there and broke it up. Just, just enough of the one arm so that he couldn't, you know, clamp down on the ball. 
and uh, and broke up the pass. And, and he had a couple more of those. And Greg Newsom had a few of those. And I think John Johnson had a few of those. And I'm not just talking about the ones that got tipped into interceptions, including the one that was called back by a penalty. But I'm just talking that those are huge plays. And he was just like I said about Baker, he was anticipatory. He was stepping into the lanes. He was, I mean, you're right. It was a, I, I don't know what Joe Burrow was looking at on that pick six. I, he's better than that. I yeah. mean, he's Joe Burrow's a really, really good NFL quarterback guys. He, he's going to be annoying for a long time <laughs> in this division, but that one, I don't know what he was looking at. I don't know why he threw it. Um, the route could have been better, I think too. Um, but it was, quite clear that Denzel diagnosed it and was already in the throwing lane before, you know, uh, Burrow cocked his arm. And I, I have no idea, but just the fact that he was reading that stuff and it was, it seemed to be a step ahead. It, you know, you often hear guys say, Oh, he ran the route for the receiver. Him and Newsom did both did that a lot today. So yeah, I, I'll be shocked if he doesn't come out with a tremendous grade uh, from PFF, but you know, even more importantly, like I said, back at the beginning, you want you want that big extension, and and you know it's hard to say that he shouldn't get something. You know maybe he doesn't reset the market, but I think he should get a big extension, and they should keep him here as long as they can. But uh, you got to play like you did today, and I think to your point, they're going to need it a lot for the next eight games uh, because the three out of four losses reduced pretty much their entire margin of error as far as the playoff chase and the division chase goes. They they need to win. A lot of football games uh, to make it into the playoffs and make a deep run. And to do that, they're going to need, among other guys, they're going to need 21 to play the way 21 played today. He was he was great. He was really great. And he was and people are asking me and I, and I understand the question like, what was different about him today? Well, some days you just play better than others. It's less obvious right. to see for corners, right? Corners get like four or five plays, Steve, in a game where everybody's eyes are watching them. And a quarterback plays bad right. or plays good. You generally have a clue. But like, hey, did uh, did did Grant Delpit play really well? You know, I don't know, man. I'm going to have to go watch it. But Denzel on the eyeball driven plays where he was front and center. He showed up to answer your earlier question about uh, pass deflections, according to Pro Football Focus and this true media that I have in front of me. They have Greg, mm -hmm. uh, Greg Newsom with three. He was phenomenal today. And all the Browns were catch point delivery. He's a stud. They, they what want, a pick, they, man. Yeah, God, that was a great pick. He's a great player, man. Um, as far as at the catch point, the Browns won the day. Like they were making the plays at the catch point, which is so good to see because that's what the NFL is turning into more than anything else. Can you break up passes? Can you make the tough catches? Denzel Ward had two pass breakups, uh, Malcolm Smith had one, and then A.J. Green, who I continue to really like A.J. Green a lot. Yes. We don't know what's going on with Grant Dell, but we really, or sorry, Greedy Williams, we really, really hope it's not the same shoulder and it's not the same sort right. of issue. We do not have any insight on that on here at you know, 9 o'clock Eastern time on a Sunday night, uh, but you just hope not. But I really do think A.J. Green is a player, man, who can step in and fill that void when needed. But we need to switch and talk about uh, talk about Baker real quick because I don't know, man. He's an enigma. He's an enigma. Can can I make one more yeah, point feel on, free. on cornerback play in general? And you sure. tell me if I'm wrong here too. Sometimes, actually, I would think it frequently would be a, an appropriate you word to use in what I'm about to say. If they do their job really well, you don't know it because the ball doesn't go near them. So it, when you're saying that they only have you know two, three, four plays a game where all eyeballs are on them. 
those are the play. Yeah, if they, you know, let's say they had four balls thrown on them, they gave up two, and they knocked down two. People say, ah, well, he had kind of an average day. Well, what about the other 47 snaps or whatever it was, where he was blanketing his guys so much that they didn't even look at him or forced him to the next read in the progression? So, you know, it's so hard to look at cornerback play, especially from the broadcast angle, and and decide how well or poorly a guy played because most, well, I don't know, most a good deal of their really good plays are away from the ball because they're making really good plays. Does that make sense? hundred percent. And that's why pro football focus has struggled with grading cornerback play because they really only grade throws in their direction because it's hard for them to grade non throws in their direction. But that's a huge part of cornerback play is when you deter a throw from happening. I know they right. were looking at uh, rearranging some of that stuff, but you know, that that's that's why it's hard to quantify DB play. And I think it's something that is a moving target. I always say I like pro football focus as quarterback stuff. I think they do a really nice job with that, getting very granular and uh and studying decision making. But DB plays tough. So, you know, you see these things yeah. thrown out and sometimes it's like, well, you know, did he did he really play that bad or did he really play that good? I can assure you in this one. He really played that well. And Greg Newsom did too, and I'm really excited to see how they end up grading out for them because I thought they were phenomenal. Other little quick note on defense, Steve. Um, we can kind of we can kind of go through defense and then we'll get to offense. Only seven blitzes, so only seven times five or more rushers, according to true media here, which again, sound game plan. You and I talked about it. Can't blitz Joe Burrow a ton. Yep. He carves it up among the best in the NFL this year at it. But boy, Miles is unblockable. And I still think he's getting held a lot. Like, oh, a lot, a lot. There's like the double hold that we saw where the guard and tackle have him like in a Red Rover situation, man. Try not to let him break through their arms. <laughs> you didn't think you were getting a Red Rover quote tonight, but you did. And here we are. He's so just as easy with freak. the OBR, folks. That's what we do, folks. We get you, we get you all angles. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, otherwise, I thought Miles was really, really phenomenal. John Johnson, like you said, stepped up to look like the guy we, I mean, that, that perfect shoulder on the football play that you've just been like, ah, I've been waiting for some of those, man, where you guys are the ones creating those plays. It's like in your living room where you're, you know, the Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, Jeff, where he's like clicking his fingers and pointing at the TV. You know, that's I always scream. My old habit when, when a fumble happens is to yell ball at the top of my oh, lungs of and, uh, scared the, the living shit out of my dog and my, my child in the in the living room screaming ball on that one. But that's the stuff, man. That's the stuff. And they were all over the football today. And it was just, it was fun, fun defense. Not perfect defense, not perfect, but that's a good Cincinnati skill group too. I don't, right. I don't think people understand that. And I thought they, they really, after, after the opening script, which Zach Taylor did a great job on the opening script and he had about 15 to 20 plays he felt good about. But when they got him off that, I thought Cincinnati was, was flustered the entire day. And a great point. I, I thought Romo was ready to be out of Ohio at about the five-minute mark of the first quarter. You know, Tony did had no interest in the Battle of Ohio today. You know, so I like Tony Romo a lot, but not one of his better games. But I thought Nance did a great job of pointing out, and maybe even Romo pointed it out too in the times he wasn't sighing about why is this a, why is this a rivalry. Oh, that's the Battle of Ohio. Um, that the Browns, when when the Browns can get people into past situations, the front four are, are are really good. They'll tee off, man. And I thought they were on full display today. Anything else defensively you want to touch on? Well, Miles, uh, first of all, if if you played football even in high school, I don't care how. I'm 51 years old, 
And a guy in 1983 told me to yell ball every time I see the uh, the ball on the ground. And I do it to this day. I do it. In, I did it, too. If you played football, it's it's universal. Everybody does it. My dad still does it. And he's in his 70s. I get so just, many dirty looks. Kelby's like, why are, why, are you, why do you yell? I said, it's habitual. I can't help it. It's like when I'm no. about to see an interception happen, I'll yell pick at the top of my lungs. Like, I think, uh-huh. it, was, I think it's going to happen. But, yeah, you're but spot Miles, on about that. I, I mean, what more can you say? Yeah, it's stupid to even argue about the holding anymore. They're not going to call it. They're simply not going to call it. It's like, you know, when you used to yell about uh, uh, Bruce Bowen playing defense for the Spurs or or the, um, you know, the the Warriors uh, making, you know, dirty plays against the Cavs and, the, and they're just not going to call it. it. It's not. They have decided for whatever reason they are not going to call holding on Miles Garrett, probably because it would make every Browns game seven and a half hours long because, you know, every other offensive possession for the other team would end up in a first and 75 because you'd call holding on the guy trying to block Miles five times in a row. But Miles is, I put this out today, I looked at the numbers, he's got 12 sacks in nine games officially has 12 sacks because he had one and a half today that comes out to you know 1.3333333333 per game and if you extrapolate that out over a 17 game season he is currently on a pace to break michael strahan's record so we are Let's just go, a little bit over halfway Let's through go, the man. season and if he can, you know, like let's say next week they go to New England and he puts up a three and a half, fourth, like you know, a big game, you know, a big one. Now that discussion is going to get real serious. If he keeps getting, you know, one a game, one and a half and all that kind of stuff, it'll be fun for us to track in Cleveland, but it's probably not going to get a lot of national attention. But if he can go out and have another big day like he had against uh, uh, Chicago a few weeks ago, it's going to start getting a lot of attention because that is an impossible record. It's it's. To average that many sacks a game over an entire NFL season, superhuman doesn't cover it. That year Strahan had was ludicrous. You cannot block somebody when they're on a tear like that. And Miles has been, as we can see with all the holding, unblockable for ninety percent of the season. So I just and he was to cheated out another list. one, Steve. He was he was he had the sack on the on the one where McDowell was offside. It was that was his sack. So he could have had two and a half in this game. And, and I think. He had one where Burrow was uh, out of the pocket and he like grabbed him from behind and it ended up being like a half yard gain or something mm-hmm. like that too. I think there was one of those. No, that, that was his half. Remember. They actually did give him a half sack on that one. Oh, that was, that was a second okay. and 11. But yeah, he could have had two and a half in this one. He's been cheated out of so many more when he's being held. It's, it's, it's bananas. He's he, like, that's the actual sack that he did record. The first step off the line Oh. is madness when he times up the snap just right you're done it's it's literally a video game type of situation i do want to talk real quick about troy hill two sacks from the defensive back position i thought he was he gave up an early first down on that first drive where he slipped a little bit and t higgins caught it but other than that i didn't notice him much except for exceptional plays um you know he's he's a little older but i think he's got a real chance to stick around another year i think he's been pretty good for the most part this year he's He's not a big dude, but he's certainly aggressive and not afraid of contact. I don't think, like I said, he's been he's been perfect or near. If we go check the data from uh, from those who track it, I don't think he's going to be at the top of the NFL slot coverage this year. But I do think he's been such a, a wild upgrade to Kevin Johnson last year. Oh, absolutely. And I think uh, today, and I I asked you this on the uh, the post game show on the Twitch channel, which we were recently made partner. If I can give us a little plug there and a little pat on our back, in three months that is impossible to do, and we did it anyway. But I think Troy Hill 
uh, and Denzel and Greg Newsom, they all played well on their own, but they also benefited from the improved play at the safety spot, which has been a sore spot for you all year, I know. John Johnson, we were thrilled. Great pickup. I, I still think, it, even if he had a terrible year, it was the right move at the time. I love the signing. I, lo- I It was tremendous. But he has not been playing the way we all expect him to until today. And obviously, this again, this sounds simplistic, but when the guys behind you are doing their job, it makes your job so much easier. And so I think he benefited from that. And yeah, they blitzed seven times total. And I think they got to Burrow twice uh, out of those seven, which is very unusual. The one early that Troy, I think it was Troy Hill, where, where he blindsided him and almost knocked the ball out. That was a huge play because the mm-hmm. offense was moving the ball. I don't want to say at will, but they were doing pretty much what they wanted to uh, to that point. That was a massive, massive sack right there. Huge I think that made check. it like second and 19. They they threw on second down. Right. They threw for like 16, and then the Browns had the two uh, incompletions straight in a row. Burrow missed P. Ryan in the flat, right. and then they threw that fourth down and three tries. So, yeah, it was absolutely massive to get them off the field there because I think, correct me if I'm wrong, that's when Baker hit Donovan Peoples-Jones, yep. right? Yeah, like, that was the next play. That and was pivotal. Him and uh, and uh, Anthony Walker, their play, much like uh, people like to say about Jarvis on the offensive side, Troy Hill and Anthony Walker's contributions, they both had really good uh, plays days on the field today, but with so many young players on this team, those two guys who have been around, Troy Hill been around a lot, well, uh, you know, five years longer than Anthony Walker, obviously, but their contributions in making sure the younger guys know where they're supposed to be, and know why to explain to these like mentor-type things. Those can be fantastic. And yeah, obviously, a, a very big upgrade on what Kevin Johnson did last year. Gave all he had, but just didn't have much left to give. Um, uh, it, it's tremendous on the field. And yeah, he's here on a one-year deal, but like a lot of these other guys, if they're willing to take, you know, if they want a giant bag, some of these guys are going to be gone. But if Troy Hill says, hey, you know what? Uh, I, I like the situation here. I'm playing with John Johnson. I like the, the other guys I'm playing with. I, I'll take a little bit less money, especially since I'm over 30, to stay in a winning situation. I think he'd be a valuable asset to keep around for, you know, at least another year, if not two more. Yeah, they had him on some. Uh, the, I can't remember the deal. Somebody will, I'm sure, respond to this pod and let us know. But I, I think they were voidable years. But I think they can keep him around. Man, I'm watching Matt Stafford just blow this game to, to Tennessee. He's thrown two straight interceptions inside the 10-yard line, which is bananas. The NFL is so they weird. Need, it's so they need weird, Odell Beckham. They do. They should go get him. That'll help. That'll help fix everything. Those are some Jared Goff <laughs> throws. Anyway, talking about quarterback play, let's switch to the other side. Um, so, we, I mean, I don't, I don't want to waste any more time on Odell, but it's clear to me that we may not know the specific answer here. Okay, We may not know the specific answer, but it's clear they're better apart. And Baker looked different. Baker looked prepared. He Not that he wasn't prepared. He just, I guess that's not the right word. He looked really comfortable and he looked like mm-hmm. a quarterback who trusted what he was seeing and trusted people to be in certain spots. And he didn't care who he was throwing to. And I think that's a huge thing. So look, here's a point that Fred Greetha made in our, our post-game show. OBJ's 29, just turned 29. Not many people. Here's the list of the Browns who are 29 and older, not including Odell, who's still on the team roster. You ready? Joel Batonio, Troy Hill, J.C. Treader, Charlie Hewlett, Malik Jackson, Malcolm Smith, Case Keenum. Everybody else is younger than Odell Beckham. You don't view Odell Beckham as an uh, as a veteran, that type of veteran. But him and Jarvis, I mean, the only other guys who are their age, Jarvis uh, is 28, Andy Janovich is 28, and Jadevian Clowney's 28. Everybody else. And for, again, this is all Fred. This is a great point that made me say, huh, 
Everybody else looked up to Odell Beckham. He was like, yep. you people forget the rookie year Odell had, and then the second year where I'm pretty sure in the second year he had the catch that is the all-time changer career, changer s- scope of a of a of a personality and an and internet famous. Right. And like he is the guy that Odell or that Baker was probably in college being like, man, it'd be really cool to throw to Odell Beckham when I got in the yeah. NFL. Or anybody you forget how young these guys are. Austin Hooper's two years younger. Richard Higgins is two years younger. 26. Anthony Walker. You think Anthony Walker's been around the league for 10 years. He's 26. Wyatt Teller, 26. Yep. They're younger. Yep. All of these guys look up to Odell. They view him as this personality that they, maybe they had a poster on their wall in college of Odell. Like, right. he is a veteran to them, and they're going to say all of these things to him because he's a veteran, the veteran leadership that they think they got from him, whatever. But it's pretty clear that Baker was, like, trying his butt off to make it work with this guy, and he just couldn't do it. And... He's trying really hard, and and I don't think, you know, I'm not going tinfoil hat on this whole thing and saying he's trying to screw over Odell. That's not happening. But I think it's pretty clear that these two guys liked each other. They took a vacation together before week one. They were playing Call of Duty together. I think that they liked each other, but I think Odell got worn down on the fact he wasn't getting the ball. And Baker, it was making him worse. And we talked about this, Steve, before they released him earlier this week. I said, all the Browns should be doing is investigating whether Baker is better without him or not. Not trying to Mm -hmm. get to the scientific method of it, but is he a better quarterback without him? Because if he's worried less about who's on the other end of the read, or am I feeding the right guy? Am I trying to find him? Am I, I'm I'm really nervous, man. I get out there, Odell's open. I got to get it to him and just relax and play football. And that's a different dude out there. Yeah. Stop thinking, stop pressing, stop trying to impress the older guy you look up to, right? I look up to Odell. I viewed, I was at Oklahoma. I was watching his game with the Giants. That's, that's a real thing. Like there's legitimate star power with Odell Beckham. People don't talk about when he's in the room, everybody's eyes on him. I've been in Berea when he's talked. He is, he is a real, real personality that everybody wants to be friends with because he's really freaking cool. Like he is, he's a really cool dude. And I think Baker wanted like hell to make it work, but it just wasn't working. And I think it was a mental hurdle that he couldn't get over again, not Odell's fault, but also kind of not anybody else's fault either. So we remove Odell from the situation. Maybe he goes somewhere else and lights it up. Cool. Good for him. Hope he does. Hope he finds happiness. But I don't think it's crazy. People fought it like hell, Steve. Can't be. How could you remove a talent like Odell? How could they be better? How? I think it's really possible they're better. I just, I just think we should accept reality. Baker's going to probably grade. I talked to John Costco at PFF. He's going to probably grade 85 to 90. He told me already a 94 grade against pressure. I haven't seen Baker put up a 94 grade against pressure in forever. Yep. So. It's it's there whether you want to believe it or not. It doesn't mean you have to hate either player, but hey man, like a relationship, we we're just kind of better apart. And I think we saw it again today enough for me to believe. It just it it is what it is, man. That's just kind of the reality of it. Yeah, I, you know, you look at it this way, and I know he's on the defense, but there are other guys that are similar ages to this. Greg Newsom was 20 years old when he got drafted. We all remember that because it's part of the age guardrail, the analytics. We argued about it. People screamed at me that I was stupid and blah, 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 which is a fun part of the day. I love draft season. Um, but if he was 20 when he was drafted in, in 2021, that means in 2014, when uh, Odell was having his big years and bursting on the scene with the Spider-Man catch and, and, and all the stuff that you were talking about, 
That was seven years ago. Greg Newsom was 13 years old. That means that what is 13? Seventh grade? He's like, a, like, he's like a hero. He's like a hero figure. Exactly. So think about when you were 13 years old, whoever your favorite athlete was, if seven years later, not only are you in the league, you're in the locker. You're hanging out with this dude. That is, you're absolutely Baker's right. Baker's at Lake I mean, Travis. He's at Lake Travis yeah. when it, when Odell burst onto the scene. Like exactly, it's real, so man. You do look up to them. You know, you do look. Up, you learn from whatever job you're in, whatever career you're in. You look at the people who have been successful before. I did this in comedy. You know, I I, I learned early on that I can learn something from everyone uh, who's older than me, even when I'm, even if what I'm learning is what not to do. You know, because, you know, there were guys that I worked with. I worked with Frank Caliendo my third or fourth time ever being the opener at my local club in 1995, 96, somewhere in there. He wasn't even the headliner that night. He, he was the middle act. And I hung out with him and I had a great time and everything. And now he's this superstar. But a little bit after that, I worked with a guy named Larry Reeb. Now, there's a lot of people out there who probably don't know Uncle Lair. But he's been a legend in comedy since the early 80s. I watched him when I was 12, 13, 14 years old. And then one day I'm, I'm sitting having drinks with the guy. It does mean something to you when you do that. So what they're, they're learning from Odell, these young guys, okay, whether it's on the field or off the field. Now, some of them will you know, continue to act the way they're going to regardless, but every one of them will take something away from him, whether it's preparation, whether it's route running, whether it's just the way you spend your leisure time, you know, because the, the professional athlete lifestyle is a unique lifestyle that none of us can pot. We can't possibly understand what it's like to not be able to go to the grocery store without being recognized that that's part of your day, signing autographs, having people want to take selfies, wanting to do all the it, I've got some famous friends in Hollywood. I've hung out with them. I can't, I've told them, I can't imagine how you do that. Luckily, you know, with my level of talent, that's not a real worry for me. But the whole <laughs> point is these guys are learning from him. Now, I, no one needs to take this the wrong way. We're not saying that, oh, because he left, they're all going to get pissy and, you know, and somebody else is going to grow up because people think that Odell's a diva and everything. They're going to grow up and be a diva. That's not what we're saying. We're saying it does matter. Okay. So, and I think today, are they better without him? I, well, today they were, for sure. I mean, today, I mean, it's, it's blatantly obvious. Now, it's a one-game sample size. We'll see if it continues. I don't know. There's going to be people that take it and run with it. That Oh, well, you know, DPJ can step right in and just be Odell. Okay, But it's not, though, people... Steve. We got a lot before this, too, man. You well, know? No, like... what I'm saying, no, 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 I get it. I get what you're saying. What I'm saying is people are going to take it to an extreme. That's, sure. that, that's the point I'm trying to make. Sure. They're going to say, oh, well, he's... He's just as good as Odell. He's a that there's very few people in the history of this league that oh, are yeah, as good yeah, I, I as Odell now. was when he was capital O capital Dell. You know, the guy that we all talk about him so desperately wanted to see show up here in Cleveland. Um, and that's wrong. And that's a, that's a, an unfair bar to set for a young man. It's like, you yeah, know, when they brought somebody in to play left tackle after Joe Thomas, well, he's not as good as Joe Thomas. Well, okay, that's kind of unfair. You know, I mean, yeah. who is? He's arguably the greatest left tackle in the history of the game. So you don't want to put that kind of expectation on a guy. But I think the larger point that we need to take as fans just from watching this is exactly what you said. We don't know why, and I don't think even, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think you're saying we do know why. They're the reasons that it didn't work, those of us out here, 
we'll never know. Heck, those guys may not even know. They may be just as baffled as we are. The, yeah. Guys, we should, Odell, man, we should be connecting. I know, Baker, we should be. Why aren't we? I don't know. I can't figure it out. They're trying their ass off. We don't know why. But the point is, clearly, it was never going to work. Yeah. So I think, are they better? I mean, that's a fun talking point and everything like that. I, uh, are they more efficient? Are they better? And, when, and it's a thing to say. I think Baker's the point, better. The point, and, right? Well, the point we need to go, let, let me finish this, and then, and then we can go to, uh, to the next whatever. I think the thing we need to concentrate on as fans is that really doesn't matter because he's gone. This is the team they have now. Mm-hmm. How good can this team be in this iteration? Okay? Because – comparing it to past and you know what oh they would have been better without odell and they would have won 14 games instead of 11 games and uh, who cares it doesn't this is the team now can they be this efficient and i'm not saying 70 yard touchdown multiple 70 yard touchdowns every game but can they be this efficient week after week after week after week and threaten all three layers of the defense then i guess yeah they are better but it's really immaterial the point is the team can be a winning football team and potentially a conference contender with this iteration that's the question i think we should be uh, looking at and based on today i think the answer is yes because like you've said several times people laughed about the cincinnati bengals in the preseason and i really didn't expect much from them either they have been way better than i anticipated this is Maybe not a championship football team, but this is a pretty darn good football squad down there in Southern Ohio. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Yeah, it it is. It is. It, it, I I'm I'm not going to scoff at this because like I said, I do, I do think that there's enough data that tells you Baker's better. I'm not saying the team is better. I don't know. That remains to be seen. And I'm not saying right. Donovan Peoples-Jones is, is Odell Beckham. Not saying that. Right. Definitely not saying that. But what I am saying is if the quarterback is better without him, for whatever reason it is, he's pressing to try to fit in with this guy. He wants to be, you know, he really, really, really wants to make it work with Odell, and they just can't figure it out. And it's making him stress all the time about how he's playing. And, my, and, and, and again, you pull your eyes pull away from the wrong target when it shouldn't be. I haven't thrown to Odell. I need to throw it to him. Now I find him and I miss him. I find him perfect. It works out great. He drops it. Like for whatever reason, it doesn't it doesn't work and Baker's better without him. That makes your team better. It just is going to give your team a higher ceiling without him. So, again, from Odell's perspective, I get it it can be abrupt, but if you look at it from his perspective, as the status quo sat going into this week, and again, I don't agree with how he did it, Steve, but as the status quo sat, he said, hey, I, and I'm sure he talks to his agent about this, duh, I'm not getting, my contract is not going to keep working here. They're going to cut me. 
Why would I keep going through this year and putting up pedestrian numbers when I could go somewhere else? And again, this is him. This is not, he's not bought into the team. That much is clear. He wouldn't have done it. So take that for what it's worth. But he's saying, if I want to get another contract in the NFL that's meaningful in any way, shape, or form, I need to go somewhere and have an eight game sample size that shows this isn't who I am. So he decided for whatever reason, he laid out the positives and the negatives and said, this is what I need to do. What's best for me. There was no team involved here or he would have stuck it out. And again, I have nothing. I really wanted Odell to work in Cleveland as bad as I wanted LeBron did to, 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 to do well. Like I've never been more excited to see a Cleveland Browns player arrive. I wanted it to work. It didn't work. It sucks. I hope the best for him. I hope the best for Baker Mayfield, but I don't think you can in any way, shape or form, argue this anymore. It's not even remotely arguable and it you don't have to anymore because it's over. Like you said, the point is the dang thing is over. So we move on, Steve. We move, unless you have anything else you want to add to that, I, I wanted to, to just quickly note a couple things offensively before we hit the door. I, I didn't mean to, to shut it off if you wanted to to say anything else no, about Odell. No, I think you're absolutely right, and we said it on the post game. You can still argue about the why. You can argue about the why forever if you want to, because like I said, we we don't know. We're we, we're probably never going to know. They may never know. But the fact whether it's going to work or not. Even if he was still on the team, it's not worth arguing anymore because it just doesn't work. But yeah. now that he's gone, clearly, I mean, thank God they got to win. Can you imagine how miserable it would be to, to, to go on Twitter and, and do the Twitch shows this week if they had gone and got run out of the building today after the, after the week that we had? Thank God they got to win. But, uh, no, you're absolutely right. It, it, you can't argue about it anymore. It, you know, unless the next eight games turn out to be just a complete dumpster fire, and I don't believe that's going to be the case. But if they play anything like what they played today with the efficiency they played on offense today, it's, you know, put to bed forever. And it's not that Baker's going to put up like 14 straight 90 plus grade games. There's the Jets game last year. There were games that right. he didn't play all too well. But when you look at the bigger sample size, you should feel encouraged. I feel as hard as I've been on Baker Mayfield, I'm encouraged because what I told everybody this week was, you need to check the actual, the the validity of the data without Odell. It's the last thing for me. I was really, I was at a tipping point with Baker Mayfield. I, I couldn't handle much more of the way he was playing, but I was, I mean, duh, more than willing, as I'm sure the Browns are more than willing to say, hey, this data without him is real. He doesn't want to be here. All signs point to moving on. Let's move on and let's give Baker a season and a half of, of who he needs around him to feel comfortable however that is, to get the best out of him. And that's where I'm willing to continue to give him a real chance for the right reasons to figure out whether he could do this or not. Today was a great sign. It points back to the data without him. And it's not like I'm an unwit. I I evaluate what I see on the field. I don't blindly support. I don't uh, all trust in six. I'm not that dude. I've never been that guy. I'm sorry if you were. And if you want to be a blind faith in Baker, dude, kudos to you. But when he plays shitty, I'm going to say, hey, guys, he's playing shitty football. So that's what I do. I'm here to tell you with a Tuesday breakdown, it'll be a really fun breakdown because he played good football. My job is to Mm -hmm. evaluate game by game. (laughs) What does this dude look like on the field for your Cleveland Browns? That's what I break down for you. I'm not here to sugarcoat it. He was playing bad to the point that I was on the on the cusp of being like, I don't see how this works for another four or five years uh, with, the, with the current status quo. But if he can continue to do and put the, the right in front of the left, as we saw in this Bengals game, again, not a perfect game, but a really good game and a game that made me feel like, oh yeah, that's what the end of 2020 Baker looked like. He has a chance to con- like prove he's worth more time and more investment from the Cleveland Browns. So we hope as the year wears on for the for the 
for the hope of 2021 and, and what we think they can be as a team, that he does this, and for his career, he can continue to go in the right direction because it obviously helps the Browns long term. So, any other people? I mean, Nick was Nick today, Steve. I thought he was phenomenal. Um, back to himself, uh, really, really the, the burst, the stop start looked right again. Again, coming back from a calf injury is no joke. It's tough, tough to do, mm-hmm. but. Uh, he looked great. I thought Wyatt Teller looked great. I didn't really notice a ton of pressure. Again, the Browns ran like 45 plays, so it's really hard to evaluate all of the offense. But, um, you know, to Donovan Peoples-Jones, I don't know. I think the thing that's good, Steve, is that with Donovan Peoples-Jones, it is we don't know still what his ceiling is, which is great mm-hmm. for a six-round pick. I have a feeling, based on what we've seen, this guy can be a pretty good receiver. He can be a third receiver or even reach out to being a second best receiver on your roster type of player. But there is a level here where this guy could be, he could lead a wide receiver room. Like I think Mm -hmm. there's that in there. It's not defined yet, but he's got the opportunity here the rest of the season. And I think the ability to really step up and prove that he is a, a one a or one B in the wide receiver room. And that's extremely exciting for that young man. Yeah, I think uh, real quick, I would. I still wouldn't mind if they went out and got some uh, John Smokey Brown, but I think if they had actual interest in doing that, they would have done it by now. He's been available for a few weeks, but I think a veteran presence like that and another deep threat could be a valuable addition uh, to this uh, wide receiver room. But yeah, I think I'm a little more rosy on him. I think he's a clear at least two, and I think if uh, it, it looks like he's going to be the one for the rest of the year, unless they pick somebody up or do something weird that I, I can't figure out. He's the one for the rest of the year because Jarvis Jarvis may be the emotional and mental leader and the veteran leader in that wide receiver room. And and again, this is not a bash Jarvis thing, but his skill set, even when he is fully healthy and he is clearly not right now, he is gutting it out because he is a warrior. And this is why so many people love him and defend him. Uh, to the point, you know, probably far sh- for farther than they should, because he's invaluable in that way. But his skill set is no longer, at least I don't think, that of being a one. Uh, I don't think if they're going to make a deep run, DPJ pretty much has to be the one this year because nobody else has the physical tools to take on that kind of stuff. So it's a great opportunity for him, and I think he's a two. Uh, right now, I think he's a solid two. If he were to go play, you know, he could be the Alvin Harper if they had a Michael Irvin. If Odell had been Odell, he could have been the Alvin Harper, mm-hmm. uh, which would have been a deadly duo. Um, but I think you're right. I think if they continue to develop him, I mean, the physical skill set was never the question, but it was so hard to evaluate him coming out of Michigan because yeah. his last couple of years, the quarterback play was I mean, you know, better than I could have done, but God, atrocious doesn't even cover it. It was impossible, which is why he slipped to the sixth round. But yeah, I'm with you. With his size, speed, and the hands that he's shown, and the precision and the route running, and he's obviously puts in the effort in the the blocking aspect and everything, which is critical in this offense, I think you're right. I think he could, he's not there yet, and I'm not overselling this, but he could be a pretty deadly wide receiver one for this team for a long, long time. It's exciting. It's exciting for where he can go. Um, you know, it's opportunity cost, right? He was never going to get a ton of plays last year, especially the first half of the year with Odell and Jarvis both healthy in an offense that, mm-hmm. you know, is is uh, is predicated on fewer wide receivers than more. And then, you know, he got his opportunity late in the year, but they're still working in Higgins. They're still working in 
a bunch of other pieces. Jarvis was still playing. Uh, it's it's even Kadero Hodge was getting snapped. So it's opportunity for him. I thought early in the year, uh, some people and I think it was our Anthony Reinhardt put out a put out a post about you know he's run all these routes. He's not getting targets. I'm telling you, he was open. I'm looking at yep. it. He was open. The guy is creating separation. Give him opportunities. The two sideline catches against the Bears on the back shoulder. Like he is a dude and. Yep. They had to get him more involved. I'm excited that he gets to be more involved. He's been more involved over the last four weeks. Was heartbroken for him that he had the injury there, the groin in the pregame, mm. because man, he was coming on strong. It's good to see him bounce back. I'm so excited for where he can go because coming into the year, I was a little nervous about it. I did I think people were I thought people were overselling him. But when I saw the first three or four games, I'm like, yeah, that dude is he's figured it out. He's really figured it out. He's not going to be perfect, but as he, he, I mean, he's still young. What is he? Twenty two? Is I think if I look at the ages, he's he's twenty two. He's young. I mean, a, a fantastic anchor. I don't know where Rashard Higgins goes. He had a he had a weird. I mean, he didn't play much today. Didn't have a target at all. I don't know where that goes. But it certainly looks like it's going to be Jarvis. It looks like it's going to be Donovan Peoples Jones. It looks like it's going to be a little bit of your tight ends playing some wide receiver. Anthony Schwartz will get some targets. And I thought then, Schwartz played well today. He did. I think I people thought, are thought way well too today. hard on that young man. I think he. we all knew he needed nuanced work coming into right. the year. And it's like the situation on the high ball from Baker in the, in, the, in the Texans game is people like burying him. Like, give the guy time. He's young. He's learning so many things, man. So I have right. no qualms. I think they could definitely add a body. They only have four on the active roster, period. I don't think it would hurt to add a body. But in you and I broke down. If you guys did not listen to the podcast over the weekend – uh, Steve and I went through a ton of the of the potential wide receiver options out there, and I'll say this: go back and listen to it first because you're going to learn all the names you should be paying attention to on Saturdays. But there's it's a good year to need a wide receiver, and I think they can go get a fun player to fit into what they do at the at that position in either first, second, or third round. I think they can go get some players. I'm excited about that. But um, even on day three, and something yeah. else to throw in about Anthony Schwartz and this. People yell at us, and they're going to do it again about the age guardrail. And, oh, you're making too big a deal out of it. They don't really care. Why do they do that? Yada, yada, yada. Anthony Schwartz turned 21 last month. Okay? These are young kids. These are young kids. Kids, really. Mm -hmm. You know, and and I can say that because, you know, (laughs) they think they would find out how old I am and go, man, how are you still alive? But, (laughs) you know, when you're, think about what you were like when you were 20, 21 years old, everybody listening, think about it. You had, you thought you had it all figured out. And now you look back at yourself when you're, you know, 30 or older and you go, God, I was an idiot. You know, these kids, they're, and not only is he only 21 years old trying to find his way in the world, he's in a city where he's never been. He's probably away from his family and his friends and his support system for the very first time. So he's nervous all the time. It's hard when you're 20, 21 years old to be that far away from home. But not only are you being asked to play a sport at the highest level on the planet, but you're in a city like Cleveland, which has championship aspirations for the first time in, you know, nine centuries. And you're being, the pressure is in, these guys feel this. Don't think they don't feel the weight of all of our hopes and dreams and all our crushed hopes and dreams from the past decade that have built up and how much we have all poured into this team as a fan base and how much pressure that puts on these guys. Think about that at 20, 21 years old. It takes time. It's hard to figure it out. 
he has to be used in a very limited role this year because coming out of Auburn, much like we just talked about with Anthony or with uh, uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones, quarterback play he put up with was atrocious. The offense was not very good at all. So he was asked to do like three different things and that was it. So he's trying to learn the wide receiver position at the NFL level while being asked to contribute. That was the thing about DPJ last year. You hit on it. He could learn last year and contribute in a small way while Odell and Jarvis, before Odell got hurt, obviously, handled most of the load. He didn't have to be the dude. You know, Schwartz, especially now with Odell gone, is being asked probably to take on a bigger role and produce more than he probably expected, than the coaches expected to ask of him this year just because of the situation. And again, as we said when he was drafted and all offseason, even if he only makes a player to a game, 4-2 is a rare gift. It, you can use that to your advantage in the NFL, especially if he can just get a little bit better. If he can just get a, and put him across from DPJ, they're going to open up a lot of things with just that speed. So yeah, as Jake said, give this kid some time. He turned 21 years old on September 5th. I promise you, he's going to be a lot better than a lot of people who are bashing him think. Well said. Well said. I thought uh, for the rest of the game, I thought Stefanski called a pretty good game. I think I can get a little picky, nitpicky about, hey, man, it's okay to run the football in third and two. Like, you're allowed to do that and, and then play for the a fourth option. down. Like, the option was a little cute. I still thought of Jarvis just put the ball out and then duck back inside. He had a real chance. I get it. it it's it's It wasn't things that made me, like, throw my hands in the air. But, again, there right. was in the second half, I think there was a third and two where I'm like, man – I kind of would like to maybe gun run one time just to keep somebody off balance. I think that would be a really wise thing to try to do, but I'm picking at it. They played well. The the, the game plan was fine. Offensive. I thought the offensive line played well. There's a couple of mean Wyatt Teller plays out there. And I, oh, and I lean as you, as you move <laughs> some money around, it's really hard not to keep, find a way to keep Wyatt and David. But yeah, I thought, I mean, I don't know any other offensive standouts for you. I thought again, across the line, they played well. I thought, like I said, the tight end group played well. Harrison Bryant had a couple nice catches. And uh, and like I said, David with that touchdown catch at the end, that was fun to see. Good for him. I, I think he's blocking his butt off. I hope there's a way to keep him and Wyatt both around. But uh, the floor is yours for any other offensive points before we close here. Steve. I think Jed uh, Jed looked as healthy as he's been since the first half of the Kansas City game on the on the play that everybody's talking about the the great Wyatt Teller block, and it was just a nasty highlight reel block. He ended that that somebody in our Slack channel said that guy has to retire now. I mean, it was that kind of block, but on the same play jed not only sealed but then got to the second level and buried another dude um uh, to help open that hole 70 yard runs don't help without that kind of stuff happening on the offensive line so i thought jedrick wills uh had probably his best game of the year i'll be curious to see how his uh his grading comes out um but yeah other than that i you know I, what else can we say? They won 41 to 16. It was fun. We're throwing roses all over the place and, and rightfully so, especially after the week that they and we all just went through. I I don't know if there's anybody else in particular. I'm prob- we're probably forgetting somebody here or there, but um, no, I think I think we've hit most of it. Yeah. A good game, a good win, a great team win. We'll see how much this springboards them because a lot of our conversations before the game was this this game has a chance to really springboard the second air quotes second half of their season. I know it's weird because the bye week is still like three weeks away, but uh, yeah, it's it's exciting to see them get this win that could really change the culture of the locker room, could change the vibe, could change the attitude, the 
the outlook, the feelings. So we'll see these next two again. All we talked about, Steve, seven and four by Baltimore, seven and four by Baltimore, and they have a chance yep. to get to seven and four by the time Baltimore comes. I'm sure by then Baltimore will have come back from two 30 point second half deficits to win football games nonetheless. <laughs> um, but that seven and four number, man, seven and four number. It was a fun game, a great game. The Browns did everything they could. And uh, I, I, I'm just, I'm kind of proud of them, man. I'm really proud of how they responded to a tough week. And uh, you guys deserve a fantastic victory Monday. I hope you do enjoy it, Steve. Thanks for your time. And I know everybody here appreciates it as well. Anytime, man. It's always fun to come on for Victory Monday. That's right. Thanks to everybody for listening to this podcast and Steve for taking time to do it with us. Pour your coffee in your Victory Monday mug. Have a great day. Enjoy a Browns win. Uh, We'll see how they bounce back this week. This should be some fun narrative, some fun film to look back at. As a reminder, we will have your OBR Monday Rewind. Uh, coming up on Monday night on the Twitch channel. And then we will have Tuesday Chalk Talk where we'll get O-line, quarterback play, and defense play all wrapped into one as we normally do for you. We didn't do it last week because nobody wanted to watch that Pittsburgh stuff. But we're going to do it this week. We're going to do it this week. It'll be a ton of fun. So, uh, as usual, I always say, appreciate all of your support, both to the OBR website, to the OBR Twitch, to this OBR Film Breakdown podcast. It is why we do what we do. Uh, I continue to be amazed by the amount of listens and downloads you guys do provide for the show. So, again, huge kudos and huge thank you for that. We appreciate your support all day Sunday. Have a great Victory Monday. Go Browns. We'll catch you next time.